श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री गिराज गोवर्धन की जाय गोवर्धन पूज महामोहिति की जाय गौर भक्तवृंद की जाय गौर प्रेम आनंदे गौर गौर सो मॉर्निंग एवरीवन टुडे इज द गोवर्धन पूजा एंड वी बिगन आवर फेस्टिवल यस्टरडे एंड इन द आफ्टरनून वी स्पोक from Gorlila about Govardhana and we cited the verse that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke twice once in Madhyalila when he came to Vrindavan and had the darshan of Govardhana and once in Antilila so um second time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke the verse is a Bhagavad verse from maybe the 21st chapter of the 10th canto was in Antilila when he saw the sand dune in puri and mistook it for govardhan hill or maybe we mistook it for something other than govardhan hill and we are mad rather than him and this morning we read a little bit about his uh, krishna's kavirash goswami's description of that event that latter event when mahaprabhu ran to embrace the uh, the sandun thinking it to be govardhan hill and um this is all in the context of describing chaitanya mahaprabhu's ecstasy and longing for krishna in separation and kaviraj goswami made a nice point he said i know these things sound unbelievable so sometimes we hear them in some 500 years later and we think that's a little unbelievable all those those ecstasies and uh what not about chaitanya mahaprabhu and of course about krishna and again if we can believe in chaitanya mahaprabhu we can believe in krishna because krishna lila is what makes him makes him tick makes him do the things that he does but even chaitanya lila may be a little hard to believe and it was apparently the case at that time as well mm-hmm. kaviraj goswami writing this 400 500 years ago said i know some people find this hard to believe these things i'm talking about chaitanya mahaprabhu his life his ecstasy his falling in the swoon and so forth these extraordinary uh, multiple uh combined manifestations of the uh uh astasatvika the eightfold uh, spontaneous ecstatic symptoms like changing of color and weeping and trembling and fainting and so forth we might find them here a little bit one another or so forth all at once and so many times multiplied and so forth He says there's never there's no description of this in the scripture there is in a sense of course this is the he's tasting the the mahabhav of of radha but she is not affected in the way that he is this is a an odd kind of a fit trying to fit the ecstasy of radha into the form of krishna so there's some disconnect there and it also tells us that prem cannot be fully contained in the sadaka deha mahabhu is 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 kind of the acharya leela of krishna krishna acting like an acharya in an apparent sadaka deha going through spiritual practice and so forth and that prem cannot be contained there therefore another body is required to participate in that type of ecstasy so some lessons to be learned but um it was interesting to note that kaviraj goswami at the time felt some people or perceived people won't believe this 
But he said, I've got it from an eyewitness, Raghunathas Goswami. <laughs> he eyewitnessed this. He lived with him for many years. He wrote these things down. You may not believe it, but I am just writing down what Raghunathas Goswami has written down about this. And I believe it absolutely, completely and totally. And you've got to just feel his faith in his words as he went on to describe that uh, ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that caused him to entirely lose external consciousness only to be revived by the kirtan of Swarup Damana and others, loud kirtan, for quite some time. And, and they were bathing him with their cloth in, uh, in, in cold water. And finally he came to partial external consciousness and he started looking around, where is Krishna? Where is, where is Govardhan Hill? I was just there. Where, where have you brought me? Why have you uh, taken me from there? And so forth. Uh, commenting on these types of leelas, Pujapatrita Marsh once said, so we can just imagine then what uh, the kirtan of Surup Damodar was seen as a disturbance to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was so lost in that which the kirtan is meant to transport us to. So there are, everybody's doing kirtan, but everyone's kirtan is not the same. And uh, here's what we will think, but Srup Damodar's kirtan, that must be very high, and so forth. Let's, uh, let's bring him down. <laughs> so, high things to be experienced in uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tasted the Govardhan Leela. And so today, having discussed Govardhan Leela to some extent, as we did yesterday afternoon in the context of Gaur Leela, the means that Gaur is to access Krishna Leela. This is the appropriate way for trying to access Krishna Leela to go through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As I said last night, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has, has depicted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a fountain of love of God that... Uh, flows like rivers in all directions, rivers of Radha and Krishna Leela flowing from him. So, he's the giver and they're the gift. First the giver and then the gift. Now the gift. So we go to Srimad Bhagavatam. The Golden Leela covers about four chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam's 10th canto. So it's quite a bit of time dedicated to this. And... Um, it's uh, right uh, uh, in between. It's, it's just bef- as Krishna is coming out of his Bhagavan and passing into his Kishore Leela and um, beginning to enter into his uh, romantic life. There's Purvarag. He's experiencing, and then the gopis are experiencing also a kind of separation in love that occurs before actual meeting. Hmm? And um, so it's kind of in the middle of the Braj Leela as described in Srimad Bhagavatam and uh, covering four chapters, as I say, so that's a considerable amount of time. The Leela itself took about 11 or 12 days. It began on the, well, today, and then it went for, from days, I think, three to, to nine was this uh, torrential rains and so forth. And then there was some aftermath uh, uh, epilogue and what not, uh, meeting with Indra and his apologies and so forth, and then Krishna meeting again with the elders as Leela begins. He's meeting with his elders and it ends 
with his meeting with his elders. And in the context of all the gore, the, 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 uh, uh, the Leela, then of course he becomes uh, acknowledged as Govinda. This is where the name Govinda comes from. Very uh, favorite name of, of the devotees, name for Krishna. But in another sense, this Leela has its beginnings in Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is kind of the preface, in a way, to the philosophical preface to the, to the life of Krishna depicted in Srimad Bhagavatam. And the Gita ends on this note, Sarva dharman puritya jamami kam saranam braja aham tvam sarva pape bhyo moksha yishyami masucha So when we think of this verse, Pujapadshita Maharaj used to say that when Krishna says the word braja here, it means to go or to come, come to me. Sarva dharman pritya jamami kam saranam braja So give up all of the dharma and uh, simply come to me, surrender, sharanagati, do sharanagati to me, come to me. Mami come sharanam, braja. He said that um, the word braja, while meaning one thing here, has a normal, or another meaning that is more readily thought of when we hear the word, and that, of course, is the, the braja lila, the pastoral place of Krishna's uh, appearance and... Uh, and the pinnacle of his pastimes. And so he, he beautifully reasoned with feeling that here is the close of the Gita. Krishna speaking about Sharanagati, he mentions the word Braja comes in a different context, but he takes his mind to Braj, nonetheless, that he can't say anything more. No more philosophy. He's remembered the inhabitants of Vrindavan and he's going there. So the Gita ends and the Bhagavat picks up. It was a beautiful uh, and explanation full of feeling and devotional insight. Um, so following that lead, we might ask, well, where in Braja does his mind go? If his mind is going to Braj, where? So this would be the place, the Govardhan Leela. Why is that? Because he mentions the, um, coming to him he, and, and using the word Braj, his mind may go, as we're saying, to Braj. But he mentions it in the context of Sharanam, Sharanagati. This verse, Sarvadharman Prittaja Mamikam Sharanam Braja, is about Sharanagati. And Sharanagati is about faith. Faith has uh, corresponds with Sharanagati. Shraddha and Sharanagati, they, they go together. Sharanagati is like the practical expression of faith. Faith seems kind of invisible and intangible and uh, hard to get a grip on. So to help us get a handle on that, and make it tangible. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has kindly explained Shraddha in relation to Sharanagati. Sharanagati is said to be sixfold. So what does this have to do, you might ask then, with the Govardhan Leela? Why would Krishna's mind, if going to Braj, go in particular to the, to the Govardhan Leela? This is the reason, because the Govardhan Leela is about Sharanagati. It's about many things, but at its very kind of foundation, it's about Sharanagati. So how is that? Sharanagati, of course, is said to be sixfold, so we get six places to grab onto, so to speak, and, uh, and understand faith. 
faith is adhikar, then our eligibility for taking up the path of bhakti. That's not so abstract. You think about it. Unless you have faith in something, how can you take it up? This is the basic idea. So if you have faith in the karma mark by association, then you're going to have faith that if I don't do these things, this will happen to me. If I do these things, this will happen to me. When that is kind of uh, transcended by faith in bhakti, then you don't have those kind of worries because you don't have faith in the karma mark. You have faith in bhakti. So Krishna in the Gita is trying to awaken faith in Arjuna. He says, sarva dharman paritajya. So give up uh, the dharma. And dharma means what the inhabitants of Vrindavan were engaged in that gave rise to the Govardhan Puja, which is the Indriyagya, worship of the gods for material, as it would appear, gains. If we don't worship Indra, we won't get rain. If we don't get rain, we won't get grass. If we don't have grass, we won't have milk. If we don't have milk, what will be our livelihood? So this was their uh, apparent uh, preoccupation. And for a long time, this was going on for many years. Krishna is now seven years old. He's witnessed this from his very childhood. Indeed, as I've pointed out before, the Damodar Leela also occurs in Kartik Mas this month. So it happens at the same time, the Damodar Leela, where Krishna stole the butter pot and was tied up by his mother, it happened at the same time that the Govardhan, that the Indra, Indra Yagya was taking place, as it would every year. It almost happened, the Damodar Leela, because of it. Because Nanda and Yashoda, they have many assistants. They're the king and the queen of the cowherd community. So why was Mother Yashoda alone and faced with a dilemma when nursing her child as to whether to put him down and tend to the milk on the stove or to let the milk boil over and continue to allow him to suckle her breast because she didn't have any assistance at the time. Why? Because they were all busy and they are just outside of the immediate area of Vrindavan where this yogi would take place and it was a big affair. I mean, this is, a, this is they, they saw it as central. If we don't get rain, we don't get grass. If we don't get grass, we don't have milk. Our cows are not fed. So a big arrangement and everybody in the, in the community is involved. So she's the queen, she's home with her son and she was faced with this particular uh, dilemma. But Krishna knows about this from his youth and every year it's happening. We like to say he had a traumatic childhood experience <laughs> on account of this. His mother put him down and uh, took him away from sucking her breast on account of this fellow. And so here he's making it all up, so to speak, and resolving the whole issue once and for all uh, in the Govardhan Leela. But anyway, year after year after year, he would uh, witness this. And Bhagavatam begins its description of it Say, by um, explaining that th- this particular year, in his seventh year, Krishna made some ob- objection to it. Mm-hmm. He says, Sukadeva says, Bhagavan api tatraiva baladevena samyuta. So Krishna's just uh, returning uh, from some sporting with his friends in Baladev. Baladevena samyutam. It, it speaks of the affection he had for Baladev. And apashan nivasan gopan indra yagya kritodhyamam. At the same time, he happened to see this uh, sacrifice being arranged for Indra. Again this year, oh, again they're doing this. And uh, 
So, abhigtad abhignu pi bhagavan sarvatma sarvadarshina. This is how Vyas weaves the Aishvarya and the Madhurya and the Bhagavatam. Krishna has to be, how Aishvarya has to be God in order to be sweet. And so, there's mention of his, his, his godliness and, his, and, and thereby, when he doesn't show that godliness, his sweetness, so his friendship with Baladev, his relationship with Nanda. Prasha ya banato nanda purogaman. Very nice language. He says he's abhigna. This word is used in the beginning of the Bhagavatam also. Janma dhyasyatahan bayad itarata swarteshu abhigna swarat. Abhigna means all knowing. And here another word sarva, sarvatma, sarva darshana. He knew everything. Darshana means to see. It means to see in a comprehensive way. Therefore, we call, for example, the six ancient philosophies of India, one of which is Vedanta, darshans. It doesn't mean just, just seeing with the eyeballs, just some, but seeing and understanding. And this is the way we are to look at the deity with a philosophical eye and how comprehensively he looks back at us deeply into our soul, understands our heart, so he's Sarvatma, Sarvadarshina. He's, he, he knows the soul of everyone. Sarvatma, Sarvadarshina. He, there's nothing that goes unseen by him. He's Abhigna, fully, fully knowing. He knows everything. Still, he bows down to Nanda Maharaj. Here comes the sweetness. And asks the question, why are you doing this? Why are you performing this uh, yagya? What's the purpose behind it? Where did you get this? From? Is it mentioned in the scriptures? Is it just something that's been passed along? What's the meaning of it? What's the purpose of it? And of course, Nanda Maharaj basically ignores him, thinking, well, he's just a child, but also because he doesn't know the meaning of it either. Hmm? They're just kind of going along with this doing, this, doing this thing. He's not really very concerned about it. He actually cons- loves his son. This is his real religion and his, and his spirituality. The idea here is that people, first of all, it means that the worship of the gods and goddesses, this is a less intelligent religious idea. This is like a childish form of religion. Children always say, I want that, I want that, I want that. So to approach the gods, I want this, I want that, I want rain, I want milk, I want a good wife, a good husband, a good son, a good daughter, give me, give me. This is a very childish idea of religion. So the kind of the form, the expression of Godhead, that will reciprocate to that is um, not the most becoming <laughs> and uh, friendly. After all, it's just it's a business deal and so forth. And if we compare Indra, who's the chief, Indra means the chief, chief of the gods to Krishna, I mean, there's no comparison in charm and beauty. And as I've said before, Godi Vaishnavas, and this is what it says, it says that not a blade of grass moves without the will of God. So everything is moving under the direction of God. And human society is really moving primarily by the force of love and affection. Yes, people want other things. They want power and so forth. But even those who are very power-oriented, for example, for acquiring, accomplishing, achieving, and so forth, there are many instances of them them risking that for love, putting that aside for affection. So love is the most powerful force. Affection, beauty, charm, 
It really rules over human society. Therefore, God must be all these things, that we have to theologize about it and so forth, to find the limits of love, the limits of beauty, the limits of charm and affection and so forth. And so in a very natural way, it arrives at Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. How can we, it, we say, well, God's controlling him, then why isn't he controlling this? Why, why didn't he stop this? Why didn't he do that? The point is that the force of love and affection is what we are controlled by. So there must be a personification of that that's the be-all and end-all of, of love. This is the kind of the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It doesn't, it's not an artificial imposition, is what I mean to say. It's, it's, it's what you're already doing this. We're all pursuing love. We're all charmed by, by uh, affection, beauty. These, these things control us. So there must be a God that personifies that. And then to, to refine our sense of love, our sense of beauty and charm and so forth. This is the, then, I gotta say, the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, so they're worshiping Indra, but they're doing it a little, little uh, mindlessly, and it's mindless even if you understand it. This is Krishna's point in the Gita. Even if you understand it perfectly, it's not a very well thought out theological uh, approach. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not one where you can actually, it's a sacrifice, but it's not a self-sacrifice. It's not a giving of the self. It's, a whole, it's very much more a holding back than it is a giving, hmm? a business arrangement. Prahlad is well known for saying, Nasa Britishavayavanik, don't be a banik, he said. Don't be a merchant. Be a britya. Be a servant. And as we don't be a, don't be a merchant. Be a servant. So as we said last night, look at Govardhan. Giri Govardhan. He's described Haridas as Haridas Barja, the best of the servants of Krishna. And how has he shown that uh, that service? Here in Govardhan Lili, he takes so much punishment from Indra. Thunderbolts coming and torrential rains and so forth. And uh, it doesn't bother him at all. It, it, he's laughing. He's in ecstasy, taking trouble, for not for Krishna even, but for Krishna's devotees, to serve the devotees. We think we want to serve Krishna, but we don't want to serve the devotees, which means we don't really understand about serving Krishna. And if there's any trouble in the service, we're very quick to let everybody know, hey, and I need some time here. <laughs> this is difficult. So to be a servant to... Uh, this is what we've signed on for, and Giriraj Govardhan sets such a nice example in that regard. So there's no, there's no imbaki, there's no want. Because after all, if you are a good servant, then all of your needs are met. Of course, if the master is good, and he is, this is Krishna. He says that yoga chemam bahami aham. I carry what they lack, I preserve what they have, I take care of them, my people. And we see that in the Braj. Just see what he's done. He stopped the Indra Jagya, and of course, Indra became en enraged, and Krishna protected all of them by lifting the Govardhan hill. So he takes care of his people. There's no worries for the devotee. Just like there's no worries for the cows with the good masters. They have a nice bed, nice food, <laughs> a little room to walk around, and they give milk. That's all. So we should give milk. That's, this is our, our position. We should, we should give milk. Krishna will provide our necessities and we should just keep giving milk.
That's all. So this is very different than the, than the karma marg. And Krishna and Gita wants to bring Arjun, who started out arguing on the basis of dharma, why he shouldn't participate in the war, right? So many reasons from dharma. He showed himself to be very dharmic and thereby very qualified to inquire into Brahma. Because if dharma jignasu is, is fully in place, if a full and meaningful inquiry into the nature of dharma has taken place, it is said one becomes qualified for inquiring to Brahman. In other words, if you inquire how to live in a human life that's religious or connected with God, then you become qualified to inquire about what you are beyond being human and learn how much more close you can become to God as a soul, for example, as a unit of consciousness, which is uh, more similar to him than the body of flesh and bone and so forth. And of course, beyond that is Rasa Jignashu, this is the inquiry in, in Bhakti. And Krishna's taking him through all of this, and at the end of the Gita, he's saying, now here's where we, if you want to do Bhakti, which is what I'm recommending, this is where you start with Sharanagati. Sharanagati is the life to all the devotional practices. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, Vishnu, Padasayanam, all these things, the life to them is the, is the surrender in our, in our, and the giving of ourselves. First surrender, then chant, something like that. Of course, you can, chanting can bring you to surrender, but uh, when we have some undergone proper understanding and knowledge, then we give of ourselves. We don't hold back. Uh, so this is the, kind of the spirit, if you will, of Sharanagati, and the, the faith that simply by taking shelter of Krishna, all my needs will be met. I won't need... Arjun started with the arguments of Dharma. Krishna began to address him with Gyan. Well, you're not the body, so why worry about all these dharmic things here. So, and then, of course, he took him to bhakti. At the end of the Gita, he says, I've said it before, I'm saying it again. This is what the message is about. This is my lesson to you. This is why you should fight. This is why you should live. This is why you should struggle in the world for bhakti. If you have to struggle, struggle for this. Struggle for a relationship with me. That'll be the end of all struggling. And in that, you don't have to worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. He said, what is that verse? Sochanan vasochastam pragnavanan shavasate katasum agatasum cha nanu sochanti pandita. Don't worry, he said, when he began to instruct Arjuna. And in the end he said, don't worry, masucha. Sarvadharman prittaja mamekam saranamracha hamtuam sarva papebhyo moksha yishami masucha. Don't worry. Beginning and end are the same. And so, this way he's trying to awaken faith in Arjun for bhakti, which, which means exclusive dependence upon him. Here he's unplugging the inhabitants of Vrindavan from the worship of Indra and teaching them, and thereby all of us, that they should be dependent upon him for everything. That they should live with a sense that their um, livelihood will be met, all of their needs, their maintenance, their sustenance will be met simply by taking shelter of Krishna. And this is the tatasta, the swarup lakshan, the primary characteristic of this sharanagati. As I said, it's sixfold, but the, the, the center of it is gopritve varanam tata. Gopritve varanam tata, that Krishna is my maintainer. 
the corresponding mood of this is Bhaktivinoda Thakur is described as nirbhartha. It means dependence, a sense of dependence on Krishna. And of course, then the implication is, as I say, not on anyone else. You don't need Indra for rain, to get grasses for the, for the cows to graze on, to have milk, to have a livelihood. You don't have to be concerned about this. Simply take shelter of me. So this is an instance in the Bhagavat where all the inhabitants of Vrindavan show themselves to be Sharanagatas. Of course, they are Sharanagatas. They're more than that. They're Premikas. Sharanagati is far before Prem, but it doesn't go away in Prem. Prem is a development from there. Sharanagati, as I've said, is in place in Ruchi. That's the stage then on which the drama of Krishna Bhakti will, will be performed. Asakti, then attachment to the object of love, that drama starts. In Bhava Bhakti, it's active. In Prema Bhakti, it's, it, we're a full participant. So we have to, we should have an interim focus, if you will, in our pursuit of Prema on Sharanagati. Shraddha and its practical application, the signs by which it can be understood, to whatever extent it's in place, known as Sharanagati, sixfold as they are. But this is the center. Gopritve Varanam Tata. And they showed this. Krishna inquired, what's this all about? What's this Indra Yagya for? What's the purpose behind this? And they say, Ananda Marsh kind of dismissed him. On one count, because, well, he's just a child. What's a seven-year-old boy? They're curious. They ask things. But what will, how will I be able to explain to him the intricacies of Yagya and so forth? But another reason is because he didn't really know that much what it's about. It's just kind of going on automatically. For him, it's going on kind of mechanically because in Braj, as I've said before, they go to church on Sunday. They, they do worship. But their real preoccupation is with Krishna. But besides that, as I also said, even if you understand this such thing as sacrifice for the gods and goddesses and, and in order to get material goods and so forth, there's not much to it. What's it all about? Krishna says in the Gita in two words, it's alpamedasa, one word. It's small-minded. There's not a lot to it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. What Krishna's asking, what's the sense behind this? And the fact of the matter is, there's not a lot of sense behind it. It's, not a, it's a very childish idea of religion. What face of God will you will reciprocate to this type of approach? What does it have to do with what you're really about? If you're really moving for love and charm and beauty, well, what does it have to do with that? So Nandamarsh dismisses him, but he's persistent. He's abhigyan, he's all-knowing, he's uh, sarvadarshana, he sees everything. He knows the position of Indra, he knows what the yogi is about, but conversely, Indra doesn't know what he's about. In Bhagavatam, where it says he's abhigya, swarat, all-knowing, fully independent. In the same verse, it says, muyanti atsuraya. One thing I said about him, he's all-knowing. There's nothing that he doesn't see. And seeing means understand, as I said, with a philosophical eye. And then with regard to the other gods, muyanti atsuraya, they don't know him at all. They cannot understand him. We've seen Brahma be bewildered, here earlier in Bhagavatam, now Indra is confused about the position of Krishna. So this bhakti, it also means, is very difficult to understand. 
It's it's not alpomedasa. What what word has Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to describe it? Sumedasa. Sumedasa. Krishna Varnam Tishakrishnam Sangopangastraparshadam Yagnaya Sankirtana Prayaya Jantihi Sumedasaha. In Bhagavatam describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the giver of bhakti, the giver of Krishna Lila, as we've explained, through Nam Sankirtan. This is a sacrifice also, but this isn't the Indra Yagya. It's not that kind of sacrifice. Nam Sankirtan is the kind of sacrifice that Krishna is asking the, 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 the uh, Brajabhasi to take part in. Of course, they are fully, but in the context of the Lila, to teach us and so forth, what is real sacrifice? And that requires some thinking. That is sumedasa. Means very intelligent. To understand the bhakti, you have to have very fine theistic thinking. To understand the karma mark, it's like I said, this is the child's religion. This is alpamedasa in comparison. So he's asking, what's this all about? <laughs> and the implication is that Nandamar is not, not really answering it. There's not much to it, really. It's not a very well thought out thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Krishna describes it in the Gita as being very circular. You go up and you go down. <laughs> you go to heaven and taste the fruits of your sacrifice, if you can call it that, uh, your business arrangement. You invested and now you got your vacation. You paid for the club mart, the mart, what is it called? World mart. Well, now you can go and have your vacation for a week and then you got to come back <laughs> and go to work. So you can go to heaven and you come back again. Uh, this is not very intelligent. If you want to struggle in life for this, struggle to just take a vacation, it goes back. It's like probably just to say if you take a heavy burden and you're carrying it on one shoulder and then you move it to the other shoulder, <laughs> and you put it on your head for a while, put it over here. No. Uh, to remove yourself with a burden altogether, we should struggle to end the struggle. And how, how difficult this is. How, what, Krishna is so charming. So giving of himself in comparison to how he's given himself to the Brajabhasis. To struggle for that. Not such a difficult proposal, but it, it, we're, it takes some thought to understand bhakti. Hmm? Indra can't understand it. He can't understand this kind of bhakti of the Brajabhasis. He wants to kill their cows. What has he understood? This is the king of heaven. The king of God, don't underestimate this muyanti atsuraya statement of the Bhagavatam that the gods don't understand Krishna. This is a huge example. of it. This is what's being referred to there in the extreme, in the first stands of Srimad Bhagavatam, this Indra Yagya. Brahma didn't understand, but his understanding was not like Indra's. In fact, after Indra's misunderstanding, you know, Indra misunderstood, he sent the torrents of rain, lightning bolts, the whole thing, and he sent his messengers, what's going on? How's it, how, how are they doing? It's, well, you know, not a tree has fallen. Not a leaf has fallen from any tree. What are you talking about? I sent, you know, the, the, the strongest winds, heaviest rains. Not one leaf has fallen from one tree. All the people have gone under the hill. Krishna's lifting it. She sent a lightning bolt down to see what's under the hill. They look, they're all having a party under there. Hmm? They found a cavern underneath, Jiva Goswami explained. They went up inside, and they were full of jewels, which made it effulgent, and they could, uh, so, that, so that it was well lit, and so forth. And practically, they were oblivious to the, to the storm. Indra, at a certain point, finally gets it. He realizes, 
uh-oh, <laughs> I've made a big mistake here. How big? This is his own brother, Upendra. What is his other name? Vamana. Hmm? Vamana. Krishna, <laughs> this, is a, this, is, this is the source of his own, you know, his own brother, the manifestation of divinity that he's familiar with in, uh, in heaven. To an extent, Brihad Bhagavatamrita shows us to the extent to which he's familiar with, with Vamana and what his relationship with, is, with him is. It's not very compelling. It's not very attractive. There's no comparison to the Brajalila. This full theistic idea, full uh, opportunity for a relationship in love with Bhagavan, with the Absolute. So anyway, yeah, he, he finally gets it. He realizes, I've made a big mistake here. So he retires to his room for a little while to get some composure. And then he has to come out and talk to all these denizens of heaven whom he's the god for. He's just attacked God's people, so to speak, God's cows. I mean, see how deranged he became. How, this is the point. You can get all that power of heaven. You could be in charge of heaven and how, how deceptive it can be. I mean, he's a dharmic guy. He, don't, he doesn't kill cows. But by the force of interest in power, interest position, see what he succumbed to, how he lost it. He's used to getting the remnants of the sacrifice. And what is that sacrifice they're going to do? They may they clean the place up. They make a big fire or throw some stuff in there. They, you know, throw some ghee in there and some butter or some some grains. It's not food like we eat. It's the basic substance. The implication is what the gods eat and what we eat, this is different. It's a different thing. They eat the sacrifice, the mantras, and you throw the ghee in the fire, but you don't cook them. Halava, <laughs> kachoris, puris, sabji, dal, gulabjaman, all these things. But this is what Krishna eats. Krishna said to him, forego this thing. You know, he, he debated a bit with Maharaj and charmed him in his youthfulness. For a seven-year-old boy to be inquiring about the thing was charming in and of itself. And then to go on and explain why he didn't think it was very useful from the point of view of Nyaya, from the point of view of Sankhya, from the point of view of Karma Mimamsa, all these Saddarshan of India. He explained, from all these points of view, I don't think that this is, is worth taking part. Nandamarj is just charmed. Just, just, see, my son is so He just come out of the forest with Baladev and, you know, and he's a philosopher. <laughs> Where did he get all this? <laughs> yeah. But more than by the logic, the reasoning, uh, the philosophy, it was by the charm of Krishna. You know, he, he heard, if you hear your seven-year-old boy speaking all this philosophy, it's not the philosophy you think about. It's you think, isn't he wonderful? That he's got all this philosophy, and uh, so this is some opulence. So Maheshwari on the part of Krishna, as a seven-year-old boy, without being schooled, he hasn't gone to school yet. He's citing all these uh, philosophies and so forth. Uh, uh, so. But the Aishwarya doesn't get in the way of the of the prem, the Vatsalya prem of Nanda Maharaj. He just thinks, "Wow, he's just my son is so wonderful. I love him. What do you want me to do? I, uh, oh, so we'll please you today, okay?" How's that? He's so, this is his madness from a religious point of view. Hey, this is Indra, the chief of the gods. Without his blessing, there's no rain, there's no food. And you're just going to let that all go? 
because of your infatuation with your son? <laughs> yes, such is the nature of his brain. He let it go. And, and then so Krishna said, well, you know, forget that yagya and take the ingredients that you would have just thrown away in there, like throwing ghee in a fire, throwing grains in a fire. Oh, make halala, combine the two together. <laughs> Add some sugar. <laughs> Let's make this meaningful, he said. <laughs> yeah. Let's live in the here and now. Let's eat locally. Let's put attention on the things that are important to us right here, right now. God is, yeah, up there in heaven, somewhere in a cloud, maybe. We're right here, right now. We've got cows. And you think they're, 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 they're living on rain, but actually go down the hill is providing, and rain's going to come anyway, he said. Rain's going to come, he, he gave some sanki philosophy, by the influence of the mode of passion, he's thinking, and rain's going to come, so there's no need for God. And God is pretty much done away with in the karma marg anyway. In karma mimams, he pretty much disappears. But Krishna wants to, wants to show them also, you see what kind of relationship you can have with me in Sharanagati, in the giving of yourself entirely, in love and affection and self-surrender and faith. I make you one with me. We eat from the same table. I eat halava. I eat kachoris, poor, just like you. I'm not like a god up there who's like, you know, he kind of eats. You say some mantra, he's satisfied, you know, and meanwhile, we waste a lot of ghee, you know. We throw it away. We could be eating that. He says, I eat just like you. In, this, is, this, is, this is the form of Bhagwan's reciprocation in Rag Bhakti. He becomes a Brajbasi. This is the kind of unity, how much the, the gap can be bridged between humanity and divinity in Rag Bhakti. Eating from the same table, eating from his own hand in, in, in the cowherd Leela, eating from his own mouth, taking food from his own mouth, and he's taking from your mouth and putting it in his mouth. This Brahma saw this and thought, what's going on here? This has nothing to do with religion. This is un unbecoming. This is like jungle people. Not even any Brahminical habits, uh, ways of conducting themselves and so forth. All this kind of thing, and this Indra Yogya foregoing that and saying, forget this stuff. Let's, he says, let's make kachuris. Let's make halava, puris, in a big style. Grand style will offer it to the hill. It starts to sound like he's dismissing superstition, really. This is uh, kind of like in the uh, in the Christianity in Europe. You know, they did away with all the pagan religions and the ghosts and different types of worship, nature, and so forth for the for a theologically refined conception of the one God and so forth. Krishna is bringing away from superstition and, uh, and lesser religious ideas and so forth to a very refined, highly uh, uh, high theological idea of Braj Bhakti. But it's so nice that it, it almost looks like another superstition. We're just going to worship the hill. <laughs> it looks like you're going lower. Hmm? At least they had him up there, you know, and they, and they were dependent upon him. Now they're just going to worship a, a hill. And uh, where's that recorded in the, in the scriptures? <laughs> Krishna's writing the scriptures. He says, Vedanta, what does he say? Vedanta vid, Veda vid, hmm? I'm the author of Vedanta. He's writing the Vedanta right here. Bhakti Vedanta. And he has, through the pen of Vyas, who's in, the, in Samadhi, saw all these things. 
And his Samadhi Bhasha, he's writing it down. This is Krishna writing the Vedanta. We worship Govardhan Hill. <laughs> and you look carefully at it, then you see you draw out this Prajapakti philosophy. And here's the beginning of it all, how to participate in it. Sharanagati from Gita, Sarvadharman Prityajya. Here it plays itself out. We go to Braj, and where do we go? We go to the Govardhan Leela. And what do we do? We Sarvadharman Prityajya. We reject Indra. That's what it means. Sarvadharman Prityajya. Completely rejecting Indra. In terms of his being a sense that we are dependent upon him, and that if we don't recognize him as the be-all and end-all, there will be difficulty for us. We, of course, respect Indra in relation to Krishna and his proper position and so forth, but uh, to mistakenly embrace the Indra or the Dharma Marg as the full expression of divinity and uh, of religious life is a great mistake that Krishna wants to save us all from. He tells us in the Gita, just forget this, just take shelter of me. And here it is in Bhagavatam, in Govardhan Leela. Their sustenance, their maintenance, Krishna said, is derived from Govardhan Hill, and he showed, and I am Govardhan Hill. That hill and me are one. So, of course, then they, they under the infatuation, if you can call it, of Prem, the, 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 the religious yogi was foregone and they made all those things, chapatis and puris and halava and pakoras and so forth in, in, in grand style and stacked it all up around the hill. And then they went circumambulation with all the cows. And at a certain point, Krishna showed himself to be the hill. He said, we, if you do this worship, the deity of the hill will manifest himself. And the big, Jiva Goswami explains to Gopal Champa, a big black form came out. And his hand up like this. <laughs> pointing to Indra and laughing. <laughs> and eating with the other hand like this. Everything that they offered. And then Krishna instructed them that and all the remnants distributed everywhere, everywhere, except for him, everywhere. Give it to the dogs. Give it to the dog eaters, even. Mm -hmm. Except for him. Krishna doesn't like that pride. Trinadapi, Sunichena. This is the way Mahaprabhu said, by chanting with this in mind, with this kind of decorum, this type of behavior. Trinadapi, Sunichena, Torapi, Sahishnuna, Amanina, Manadina, Kirtaniya, Sadahari. This kind of Humility and tolerance and respect for others, no seeking of honor for yourself. By chanting with, in, with this spirit, with uh, beautified, decorated with these qualities, you can get preem. So, no room for any pride. No need for any pride. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, they have all respect for all the gods, the goddesses, sages, and so forth, even though they hold a higher position than any of them. Position that, they, that such people can hardly even understand. We shouldn't think we're the Ragmak Bhaktas, the Chaitanya Sampradaya, mm. and we're going to weigh in on everybody else and and um, and dismiss them and so forth. We may be kind to uh, to point out our philosophy and understanding and so forth, but with with humility and with uh, with the hope that they'll partake also in the beauty of Chaitanya's philosophy and uh, and and uh, and. It's application, bhakti. So, 
Indra is dismissed and Krishna appears as the hill and all the inhabitants worship the hill and of course then Indra becomes angry and sends the rains as we've mentioned in, in brief, torrential rains and to no avail and then he realizes he's made a mistake so he becomes embarrassed. He sees these people, they're surrendered to Bhagwan in this extraordinary form that he's appearing that's just like them, that's different than the form in which he appears to me in heaven, and their relationship with him is very extraordinary. They're compared to mine with with uh, with Bamandev. Uh, they're completely surrendered. This is, the, as I say, the Surupalakshana. I should mention all of the limbs of Bhakti, Anukulyasa Sankalpa of, of Sharanagati, to accept what is favorable, to reject what is unfavorable for bhakti. This is a sankalpa. You make a, a vow, a promise. Uh, I will accept what is favorable for bhakti. I will reject what is unfavorable for bhakti. And then rakshikshatiti vishvashvo, vishvash. Vishvash means confidence, a kind of a confidence that Krishna will, will, will protect me. It plays out in the Leela in a particular way and should play out a little bit differently for us. How should we think Krishna will protect me? Not from a hailstorm or a tornado or something like that. Krishna will protect me means Krishna will protect me from Gyan and from Karma. Bhaktivinoda was explained. From these paths and from thinking from, from, from faith in them from the uh, the coverings of Gan and karma, Krishna will protect me. I enter into the spirits with the idea that that by karma and Gan, uh, my ideal in life will not be achieved. And Gopritvebhananamtata, Krishna then maintains us. He takes care of us. He provides for us. We may need less than we think. <laughs> we think Krishna's not providing for me. <laughs> But we may need less than we think. He provides enough to uh, we, we take shelter to give us, the, give us the basic necessities where we can express our hearts. And Dandanya, humility, and uh, Atmani Vedam, Atmanik Shepa means self surrender. It means that to make one's will one with Krishna. Something like that. So this, these can be, of course, discussed at some length. But this is the kind of the handle, if you will, that Bhaktivedanta Thakur has given on Shraddha, termed Sharanagati. We should look and see how our faith is faring in terms of the extent to which we are actually Sharanagatas. That's something to be cultivated. A Shraddha is the ability to is is the eligibility to tread the path of Bhakti. And Rupa Goswami has said what in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu? That there are different degrees of this shraddha, which means different degrees of eligibility. So the more the faith grows, the more our ability to, to, to actually proceed down the path. To use a nice phrase coined by Pujapatrita Marsh, suspicion leads to suspension. So the extent to which the faith is lacking is the extent to which we can't go forward. We can't take advantage. Rupa Goswami described different degrees of ability to actually engage in bhakti as different degrees of faith. Weak faith, komal shraddha, firm faith, and firm faith that's well-informed.
when faith is, is well informed, theoretically, of course, that'll be strong like nishta. When it's well informed by realization, then it will be bhav bhakti. Hmm? You understand? Nishta means that you have your intelligence is, is, is convinced about bhakti. You've thought it out. And you have well acquaintance with, with, with the scripture and so forth. And, uh, and so it's, it's well informed theoretically in terms of sambandha gyan. When you come to bhav bhakti, that sambandha becomes realized. In other words, you, sambandha means relationship. So you know your relationship with Krishna. It's well informed. Bhakti. Now, on the basis of that, you're pursuing and engaging in bhakti. So this is then uttam adhikar, uttam highest ability to engage in bhakti. Who has some bhakti? <laughs> who has some bhakti? Who has some bhava? Lesser, whose firm is, his faith is fixed, means he has firm faith, but it's not that well informed. It means it may be theoretically well informed by shastra, by good reason and logic, but not by realization. What is nishta? Then before nishta, then one has not taken the time to engage their intelligence really in bhakti. So it's komal, it's tender, it's weak, and there will be lapses. It doesn't mean we all have to be scriptural geniuses, but it does mean we have to keep good association. Doesn't that help? <laughs> Certainly it does. And then we become convinced, yes, this is a living thing. This works. It's possible. It's not like trying to catch the wind. No. It's possible. So in Govardhan Leela, they show this Sharanagati. So from Gita, then, if we think of it, that Krishna is taking us to the Bhagavatam, this is a place to go. The practical Leela where it's played out, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, the Brajabhasis, headed by Nanamars, they gave up the worship of Indra, they're foregoing the Dharma Marg and fully taking shelter of Krishna. He's showing himself to be the Gobran Hill and Indra attacks. And Indra realizes he made a mistake. He retires to his room to recoup. He has to come out and talk to the troops and somehow explain himself. He's gone so mad in his pursuit of power. As I said before, the whole Brajalila in one sense tells us, stop trying to be somebody. This is Rajagun. We want to be somebody. We want to accomplish be a lettered person, and so forth. Uh, to be an Indra, or whatever. <laughs> and Krishna's not, Krishna doesn't want to be, he's a Narayan, he doesn't want to be Narayan. Hmm? He's the shelter of all beings. He says, I'm not interested in that position. I want to relax. <laughs> so just like the movie stars, they're putting on them shades, right? They want to be themselves. They not have to be, thought of in, in, a, in a, a way that they become popular, that they pursued such effort, then they got there, and then they have to suffer from the paparazzi. And, and so, so there's now the new law has been enacted by Governor Schwarzenegger against the paparazzi, and he had some experience himself. So is a big fellow, he's, he's the king of, of, of the gods, and see how he got such a high position, but how deluded he became. He's even got uh, Upendra uh, Bhamana as his uh, brother in, in, in heaven. And he's lost the whole thing. He's going out to kill cows. I mean, it's insane. When he, told, when, he, when he came out and talked to the denizens of heaven, he said, actually, I was just testing him, you know, for, testing all of you. 
to see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you pa- you pass the test. Just see this. This is this is uh, Mammon's uh, own form here, and in another form he's appeared on Earth. And uh, so I was just testing everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Jiva Goswami describes that in the Indra's plight at that time, one demon came to him and said, "You're doing a great job." Keep, you're, you're doing a great job up there. I mean, you're, you, all that rain you're sending down and, and all, you know, when it comes, this henchman. Hmm? Communicate with him. And, yeah, send a messenger to heaven somehow. And, and, and that's what really I struck in. Like, wait a minute. This guy's a demon and he's praising me. What am I doing? What, what have I done here? He had to scratch his head. And so then he, 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 he told everybody anyway, you know, he tried to keep face. I'm just, I was just testing everybody and, so now you can stop. You can stop the rain. Bring out the sun now. And then he went to see Brahma to figure out, well, what am I going to do? He said, look, you offended Krishna in the past. How, how did, you know, as it turned out, Brahma said, yeah, well, I didn't try to kill his cows. <laughs> you know, I may have put him in a cave for calves for, you know, a little while, a minute or two by my time, but uh, I don't know, you know, how to... I can't. I, I, I got four heads, and I know the Vedas, and I don't know how to how to get you out of this one, how to resolve this. But he made a suggestion. He said, "Look, you know, if you want to get close to somebody, you got to get close to somebody they're, they're de- that's dear dear to them. So why don't you go talk to Sarabi, the personification of of all the cows? Find her, and." make amends with her because it's the cows you went after and if she speaks on your behalf then maybe Krishna will listen so they went and he met with Surabi and and she was uh, happy to have the opportunity then as she suggested well if you want to resolve this then you come with me we'll go to earth and have the darshan of Krishna herself so they went and the leela's ostensibly over now and the rains are over the inhabitants are carrying on and Krishna's in the forest with his friends, and there's Indra hovering in the sky with Surabi just uh, at, a, at a short distance. So he, he tells his friends, wait here, I've got something to attend to. I'll be right back. He, wanted, he knows that if he comes with all of his friends, it'll be much more difficult for Indra to apologize. So when you do make offense, Krishna goes out of his way to make it easy for you to overcome the offense. He could have come with all his friends and then and uh, then it would be difficult, isn't it? For, if, a, you know, if you go to apologize to a great man, he's surrounded by his entourage. If he's really great, it's say, come in the room, private. You know, I don't want to embarrass you and make it more difficult for you to say what you want to say. So he did like that, and Indra came, and Surabi spoke on his behalf, and Indra made so many prayers, and, and so on. And then, then they performed, and other gods came, Shiva and others, and... And uh, Chandra, and then there was Abhishek, and uh, they bathed Krishna through the what is it, the, the trunk. trunk of the elephant carrier of Indra. That is said to be the forming of the Gobinda Kund. And there, at that time, they coronated Krishna as the god of the gods, and called him Gobinda. Gobinda means who is the lord of the cows, lord of the senses. It's another name for Upendra. It means. Indra means chief, Upendra means the chief of the chiefs. So Krishna is Upendra or Govinda. And uh, this is a little different. This is, here he's the god of the gods, um, but he's not being shown as he is in the Brahma Vimohan Lila 
to be the god of Narayan even. So in that Leela, to Brahma is shown Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam in the context of the Leela, that Krishna is the source of Narayan. Here it's shown he's the god of the gods, above Brahma and Shiva and so forth. And so then Indra, of course, went on his way, but not before leaving a gift for Krishna, and Shiva gave a gift, he gave a bamboo flute, and Brahma gave a gift like vestments and ornaments and uh, a beautiful golden umbrella and so forth, all these extraordinary things that you just don't find in the cow pasture. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, then they left and all Krishna's friends came over and said, well, who the heck were those people? <laughs> who is that guy with the four heads? And, and what's that? You know, take that umbrella and let me wear that vest. And, and, and Madhu Mangal and Subal, Sri Dhammas were there taking the gifts that Krishna got from the gods and wearing them themselves and these gods are going through the sky looking back down at these boys and thinking Krita Punya Punja as Sukadev says in another place what kind of people are these people that have this kind of relationship with we just crowned this fellow the god of the gods and they, they're just taking his clothes and taking the ornaments we gave to him and using them for themselves and what kind of what kind of religious life is this this is this is the point they're making. This is very hard to understand. A very, very high thing. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has tried to make it easy to understand as possible. He's given an easy method for understanding. That is Namsan Kirtan. It's much easier than meditation, yoga, jnana, any other process. He, he, he really feels the value of it. And is pressed to want to share it and make it readily available. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is Krishna. This is Radha Krishna. So in this way, the Leela comes to an end with the cowherds and Krishna, Balaram, coming back to Nandamarja's house. And uh, of course, they got all this paraphernalia. <laughs> and they're wondering, where did you get all this stuff? And Madhu Mangal says, oh, there was this four-headed guy. He came and he was trying to pay obeisances with what he couldn't because he had four heads and, you know. <laughs> and... Um, and there was a guy riding on an elephant that had eyes all over his body, another guy with five heads, Shiva, and, and um, all these strange people. And, and so, of course, Don Mars more or less accepted and dismissed it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so from this day, then, you'll also be known as Govinda. This was the proclamation, and all the elderly cowherds were very pleased with that. So this way, in the brief, we've gone from the beginning to the end. Of the Govardhan Leela, and many, many points are to be made there. These are a few. This is kind of a central point that I'd like to bring out that this um, Govardhan Leela speaks to us loudly about Sharnagati. And this has to be in place to understand the Leela. So we should try to live our lives in such a way. That, and, and we could see that they're all householders, they could be Sharnagatas. They weren't brahmacharis or monks. So Sharnagatas can, householders can be Sharnagatas too. You use your expendable, what do they call that? Disposable, disposable income. You dispose it here. <laughs> it's your fun money, then you use that for Krishna consciousness, for decorating the deity, for printing the book about the deity, opening the temple, and so forth. And it will be, then those things will become fun for you because you will have gone there to some extent, invested yourself in that, and your time, and free time, and so forth. This is a nice vacation spot, Adarya <laughs> and Madhavan. Also, so um, yes, for the inhabitants of Vrindavan, it meant practically he protected them 
he maintained them. He, in the beginning, he will protect us and maintain us in a philosophical sense, as I said. But as, as we grow by application of that philosophy, it will become more and more tangible the extent to which he's maintaining us, the extent to which he's protecting us. Here it comes there, actually being protected. I said, you know, if you do Sharnag, it doesn't mean you're going to be protected from Hurricane Katrina. But they are protected from Hurricane Indra. Uh, you know, the, uh, and so it does come to that, that point. But you've got to change bodies for that. You've got to get a body that allows you to get a little closer. That requires you to be a little philosophical. And, not, and, that, and that requires that, that our sense of necessity, material necessity, should be diminished. So, are there any questions? Yes? When Krishna appeared as, as Govardhan, uh, did uh, Bridget Basis perceive him as Krishna? Or was he what was the perception of this big form taken in the The question is that when Krishna pre- presented himself as the hill, did the Brajbasi see him as Krishna or, or the deity of the hill or what? Well, they saw him as the deity of the hill, but they also saw that he was identified with Krishna. And so kind of a little bit of, little bit of both for them. We emphasize that he's known different than the hill, and therefore we worship Govardhan Hill. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was taught that, to worship the Govardhan Shila, and so forth. But for the Brajbasis... Mori appeared like like the deity of the hill, but there was some identification nonetheless with Krishna. At least the sense that Krishna's brought it about, and and um, but not as overtly as as we look at it from our perspective that the hill is Krishna. They look in the eyes of the Brajbasis, what was explained yesterday, more like the hill is the servant of Krishna, Haridasvarja the best servant of Krishna, providing all necessities for Krishna Leela there, the caves to, to rest in and uh, uh, water for bathing and uh, scents and birds singing beautiful kirtan and so forth. All the items of worship are provided by Govardhan Hill. So they tend to see him more in that respect. Now in order for us to see him in that respect, we can't artificially look, therefore we're taught more to worship him, the Govardhan Hill, as Krishna himself. Raghunathas Goswami himself has written how he worshipped Govardhan Shila as Krishna, not as the friend of Krishna, even though that's ultimately the vision and experience of Radha. Hmm. Yesterday and today you said about Mahaprabhu and Mahaprabhu's vision, and in the way that he describes the vision, he's He's describing from a particular perspective as someone who's being asked to also pick some flowers and offer them. So, how do we understand Mahaprabhu's vision? You know, being seen from this point of view. Mahaprabhu's position in his spurti, his experience of the Govardhan Hill when he went to embrace the sand dune, hmm, was an experience of, we, we, are, we, are, we are to learn about Manjari Bhava from that. Mm-hmm. The gopis asked, he was, he was an attendant to the gopis. They asked for flowers, he went to pick them to bring for Radha and Krishna. Does that help? Mm-hmm. It's said to be an example, Mahaprabhu is, t- is teaching us the 
that the highest reach of his um, theology and uh, is, uh, is the Manjari Bhav to be an attendant of the gopis. Did I answer your question? Yeah. yeah. This is the idea. That's a, an example of that. And of course, nothing's lost in that. The more is to be the attendant of Radha means to have the experience of Radha that you otherwise could not have by being a competitor, which some gopis are. Yes. In your, in your talk, you said, I think you said the Jiva Shaman has given some description that Krishna, the hill assumed the form, like the tremendous form of Krishna. And actually, so that's what the inhabitants saw. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A black deity pointing up into the sky. Yeah, he doesn't go into too much detail. So we've done, uh, so we, anyway, we, we've heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's worship of Govardhan and we've done nice uh, Gopuja. Our herd bull, Seva, was beautifully worshipped this morning. He's... Uh, the father of a couple more calves on the way from our milkers, which is a miracle in itself, given that he's about one-eighth the size of them. <laughs> uh, maybe one quarter. But uh, I was witness to those miracles. Um, so both Prem and, um, and Kamdenu are carrying his uh, calf. And um, and so we worshipped him because, um, according to the scripture, if you should circumambulate the herd, but we've got a pretty good-sized herd here, not as big as Nanda Maharaj by any means, but still it would be hard to circumambulate it all. So the solution is that you take the herd bull and circumambulate him, and then everything's accomplished by that. So we did that, and we had Arctic for him, and then we did nice bathing of the Govardhan Shila on top of the large Krishna Balaram rock outside in circumambulation and then a discussion this morning from the Bhagavat, the Govardhan Leela and now have uh, Artik and Kirtan and the feast. Kiraj Govardhan Ki Jai, Govardhan Puja Mahamotsvatiti Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktarinda Ki Jai.